The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature global guests joining Dr. Hamden for a psychological interview. And through their experiences, you will explore the human depth of understanding their purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair. Today, we're going to be talking about the oldest profession on earth. Perhaps it came after humans had learned about hunting, gathering, and substance farming. It may be considered an obscure way of living, but some people may have had no choice, and others may have had a big choice. Prostitution. The psychology of prostitution has been studied for decades. So prostitution can be defined as the practice of providing sexual services in exchange for monetary benefits, sometimes other kinds of benefits. With us today, we have a very special guest, a person who was put into this profession by her own family when she was a very young person. Today, as a young adult, she wants to make a difference not only for herself, but for others as well. To protect her identity, we're going to be calling her Tanya. Tanya, welcome to the show. Good evening. And it's nice to see you. You've been living in the Middle East for how long now? Almost six years. And you've chose to come here from where? Mm, with some help. And I you came here from Europe? No, I came here from Moldova. Okay, so you were born and raised there? Yes, I am. Tell us a little bit about your life. What was it like being born in Moldova? I've been born in a very small village. It's a very, very nice village. People are very kind there. And uh, I have uh, one brother, youngest brother, and bigger sister. And your parents do what for a living? Uh, at the time, my father was in constructions, and my mother, she was a housewife. You have a very good command of the English language. Was it a language that you learned in school, or a language that you learned from living in different places of the world where English was spoken? I've learned English language from living. This is not your only language. You speak several languages. What are they? Uh, I speak Russian. I speak uh, Romanian, Italian, and English, of course. Now, how did you learn Italian? Mm, I used to work with Italian people. So that was easy for you to learn. Now, you were quite a bright student as a young child. What was your education like from the time before school, when you were in kindergarten or whatever, and then walk us through your education until you had to stop your educational process to go into a career? Well, I really enjoyed studying. Even when I was uh, before school, 
I knew I was very, very smart, and I just liked it. I liked the history, geography, so it was very easy for me to learn. Those were your favorite subjects, history, yes. geography. What were yes. the subjects that you didn't like very much? Mathematics. And do you do any mathematics today? Oh, yes. <laughs> you have no choice. I have no choice. Do you still read? Yes, I do read a lot. And what kind of books do you read now? Uh, most psychological books. You like psychology? Yes, I do. I love it. And the history, uh, geography, you stay caught up in some of the readings there as well? Not really. What about newspapers? I do read newspapers every single day. What is it that you read in the newspapers that keeps you interested in reading newspapers every day? Crimes. So you have an interest in crimes? Yeah, yeah. You've been involved in a crime field for quite a while. How old were you when you left school? Uh, I guess 14 and a half. And what grade were you in at the time? On the ninth. What happened that you had to leave school? Oh, uh, my parents divorced, and uh, my mom couldn't afford to pay for my school, so she, uh, she just uh, sent me to boarding school. She couldn't afford to pay for school, so she sent you to boarding school. Yes. Well, when you talk about boarding school to a Western person or Western society, it's usually a school that requires some very serious payments. No. No, in uh, my country it's not that way. A boarding school, this means uh, uh, you will stay there and your parents, if they like, they can come and visit you or if they don't like, they don't have to come. And it's free of charge. The government pays for everything. So what kind of a boarding school was it? Was it for a school f of orphans? Was it a school for children who were deprived in some way? It was a school where um, the children was uh, from very poor families or the parents were alcoholics and couldn't take care of the child. Was that your case? Uh, yes, partly. Both parents were alcoholic or just one? No, only my mom. Tell us about her drinking habits. Uh, she started to drink heavily after my brother was born. And uh, How much younger than you is your brother? Um, six years difference. Okay, so she wasn't drinking from the time that you were born till you were six years old? Uh, no, she was, but I don't remember. You just remember her drinking very heavily after yeah. your brother was born. What would happen to your brother while your mother was intoxicated? Um, me and my sister will take care of him. Now, your sister is how much older than you? One and a half year. So here you are, six years old. Your sister is six, seven and a half years old, and you're having to take care of a newborn baby. Yes, uh, but uh, my mom didn't start immediately drinking. She was sick for a while, but after that, yeah, she started to Did you ever figure out why she was drinking? Did you ever talk to her about it or ask her the reasons? Oh, she said she was unhappy. People, she wasn't happy with what, do you think? I think maybe with my father or with the life she had. So you started at a very young age having to take adult responsibilities. Yes. Did you ever find that it was difficult to be a child, that you always had to think maturely and responsibly? I don't remember actually being a child. I always remem remember having responsibilities and having to look after somebody. And at the same time, you were in school being a responsible student. Yes. Did you ever wonder whether your life was a normal life or an abnormal life? 
before my mom started drinking, I thought it's perfectly normal life. But after that, no. So somehow you always knew that mom's behavior was not correct. Yes. And that your life was considered to be a dysfunctional life. Yes. What was your biggest fears? Being left alone. With your brother, your sister, or just you by yourself? Just me by myself. Well, you left alone means that something would have happened to your mother, your father, your sister, and your brother. What would you think would have happened that your fear was being left alone? They would divorce. And what would happen to you, your sister, and your brother in your mind? Well, what did actually happen? We've been left alone. Not all of us, but me and my sister. What was the most frightening time of your youth? Uh, The most frightening time. Maybe your parents did not come home when they were supposed to have come home. Your brother was sick and you weren't sure how to take care of him. Your sister may have been asleep and not taking as much responsibility as you. Does any of that sound familiar? Yes, it is. Yes. So how did you handle it? How did you survive this long? Here you are in your late 20s, still young, still intelligent, and wanting to make a difference for people. What was it that allowed you to survive that childhood of dysfunctional family behavior? Well, I just uh, understood that I have to be strong and I have to move on. What do you think strong meant at that time? Not to break apart, not to have breakdown like my mother did or other people. To continue life, to move on. So you learned to be motivated positively for the wrong reason. The people that were supposed to be teaching you and modeling for you were the very people who were not even available. So you had to learn to be a strong person because of all the weakness around you. You're quite a survivor. Is your sister as much a survivor as you are? Oh, I guess my sister, she took the rods off my mother. Tell us about that. Oh, she's drinking heavily. And uh, whenever she's drinking, she's hurting people. And she doesn't feel sorry about it. And whenever you, I try to point it out, she just uh, ignores it. Where is your brother these days? My brother lives with my father. And what does he do? He's in army. So he's military? Yes, he's military. And what does he do in the military? Uh, he wants to be an officer. And that's quite an impressive position in your country. Yes, yes. So he's been quite successful as well. Yes, he is. You must be very proud of him since you raised him. I'm very, very proud of him. You're wanting to write a book. Yes, I do. And what is that book going to be about? Uh, The book is going to be about my life, my experience in life, what I've been through and what I became. And what do you hope to do with that book? I hope to give some motivation to the girls like me who have the same background like me, the same story, the strength. You're quite a giver. You're a very loving, caring person for people you don't even know about. I just hope somebody would do that for me when I was younger. So what was not done for you, you're going to turn around and do for others. I'm going to try. Quite an amazing experience that you've had in life and quite an amazing task that you've set for yourself. Many people will be quite beneficial 
to have read it. So hopefully that book will be read and many will benefit from it. Now, how old were you when you ended up going into the field of prostitution? Fifteen and a half. And the reason that you went there was what? Uh, I was trying to find my sister. Tell us about that. Um, when my sister was 16 uh, and a couple of months, uh, my mom sent her to Turkey. Uh, you can say my mom sold her to prostitution. So your mother sold your sister to prostitution. Yes. And did. you weren't sure where she was going to go, but you did know that she ended up in another Turkey. country. Yes. Yes. And you were going to go find her there. Yes. How did that yes. happen? Tell us about it. Walk us through that experience. Um, well, um, I talked to my mom and I told her that I want to go where my sister went. Uh, before I did know that my sister went to work as a prostitution. And uh, my mom told me what my sister done there. And I told her, I don't mind. Just send me in the same city, the same people. Where is my sister? I want to find her. So my mom did. She arranged. So your mother actually sold your sister into prostitution slavery. And did she do the same for you? Yes, she did. And did you know you were going into prostitution? Yes, I did. And you went willingly because you wanted to find your sister? Yes, I did. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair. We'll be right back. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Did you know that the root of inner growth is our own self-love? You can integrate the power of spirit, laws of intention and attraction, the essence of consciousness, and the magnificence in authentic living when you tune in to Simple Awakenings, Self-Love to Transform Your Life with Coach Derek Butterfield and Coach Joe Noaker. Awakenings can be made simple for you to bring into your life right now. Tune in every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, 
VoiceAmerica.com. listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden and you are in the Psychologist Chair. Today, we're joined by Tanya who's telling us about her life and her life as a young girl in Moldova, being forced into prostitution by her mother to save her sister or at least rescue her in some way from a place where she had been transported, concern about her brother, and a lot of other different things. Tanya, welcome back. Let's talk about your youth, your parents. Let's talk more about the youth and your parents' behavior that may have caused a lot of problems. What was your father like? Describe him. My father is a wonderful person, very caring. I wish everybody could have a father like I have. What made him such a caring person? What did he do that was so caring for you? Um, He was taking care of us. How so? Um, He he was uh, never abusive with us. Never fight, and whenever our mother will beat us or abuse us morally, he will always protect us. So mom was an abuser, physically, emotionally as well? Yes, yes. Is that when she was drinking excessively or even when she wasn't drinking excessively? Even when she was awake. So when she was sober, she was quite abusive? Yes. Was your father consistently there to rescue you? from a dysfunctional, abusive mother? No, no. Where was he spending his time? He was traveling a lot. And why would he travel? Uh, He was traveling to Russia to work, sometimes for nine, eight months. That's quite a long time. Yes. So when you say that he was a wonderful man who was there to pamper you and to treat you in a wonderful, positive way... That was only happening a few months out of the year. Yes, when he was back. So what was it like when he would come back? Oh, it was the best moments. (laughs) Describe those best moments. Well, whenever our father will come home, we knew the abusing from our mother's side will stop, will end it. So we will go shopping, we will go to the park and all kind of festivals. Mm-hmm. And he would buy you things? Yes, of course. Like yes. what? He will buy us toys, uh, clothes, many things. Candy? Sweets. Sweets. Okay, that's yeah. good. He is a good dad then. Yes, he is. Sweets are very important. Yes. There's a famous doll that is known in Russia, but it's actually origined in Japan. It's the wooden box doll that opens up and there's a smaller doll and then there's a smaller doll that what is that called matryoshka did you have a lot of those i never had one well you're russian why would you need one right yes (laughs) (laughs) that's something that foreigners buy when they're visiting the lovely countries like russia and moldova and other places so the kind of toys that your daddy would bring you would be what what kind of toys do you remember him bringing you barbie 
Barbie was very popular there. Yes. We and had, was she the young Barbie or the later aged Barbie? No, first we had the young Barbie, after we had the normal Barbie, and after we had a husband for a Barbie. And are you old enough uh, to remember Ken and Barbie getting a divorce, or were they already divorced by then? They even got a divorce in some of the processes, I understand, after they had a kid. I, I don't remember. You, that's good. You don't remember. You had enough trouble. You didn't need Barbie and Ken to have problems. What was the most frightening time of your youth? Um, can you like, for instance, you mentioned that mom was abusive. Yes. Uh, and dad would rescue from that. The problem is that dad was not there all year round. Dad might be at work six months, sometimes even nine months. And then when he would come home, how long would he be at home? It depends. Sometimes he will spend all summer at home, sometimes only one month. What was it like during that time that he was there? Were you already anticipating that he's going to leave and how sad it would be? Or would you want to just enjoy the moment that he was there and not get sad about his leaving until he did leave? I think we already programmed ourselves, so we knew it's not for a long time he comes back. So we try to enjoy every moment. Would you ever get to talk to him while he was away? Yes, yes, on the phone. And could he have an effect on your mother's abusive behavior to stop it even when he was just on the telephone? No, I don't think so. So it was only when he was present, physically present? Yes. What kind of activities was your mother involved in while your father was away? Oh, drinking. Was she also into prostitution? Uh, no, no. She was enjoying, actually, sex. She was uh, getting drunk with her friend and inviting men or sometimes going to a different men's house. And... Did she ever bring those things home? Yes. Or did she... Okay. Yes. So you actually observed her being drunk and sleeping with different men? Yes. While married to your father? Yes. What was that like for you? What was the experience for you as a young girl seeing that happen? I was very angry. I was very angry, and I didn't understand why she does this kind of thing. How did your sister handle it, who was a year and a half older than you? Oh, we did pretty nasty things for the lovers of my mom. Okay. Yeah. Tell yeah. us. We will uh, cut their clothes so they will not have what to wear to go home. So you chop up their clothes? Yes, we did. Pants, shirts, yes. ties, yeah. socks? Yeah. What would you do to the shoes? Nothing. Well, at least they could wear their shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about um, your brother? Where was he with all of this catastrophic kinds of behaviors going on? Well, he was there, but to me and my sister, we, we were telling all the time different stories for him, so he will not understand what our mom actually does. So you and your sister were quite busy protecting your brother, which is something your dad and your brother, your mother, were not doing. Yes. When you look back on that now, what does it feel like to remember those scenes? It feels like I don't want to remember. What does it feel like? It feels pain, anger. Not understanding. You still cry about it sometimes? Yes, I do. Do you and your sister talk about the past? I can't speak with my sister about this. How about your brother? Uh, my brother, um, 
He's far away, so whenever we see each other, we don't talk about these things. So when you and your brother get together, what you want to do is have a good time because you don't see each other very often. Yes. Do you see each other on various kinds of electronic communications where you can have visual reference to each other? Do you talk on the telephone? Do you send letters to each other, emails, whatever? On the telephone. Are you pretty much uh, close to each other? To you my and brother. Your brother. Okay, but not so much your sister. Not really. Would you like to have a closer relationship to your sister? Yes, I would. You seem to be the bonder in the family. You're the person that puts people together. You seem to be the glue. Even as a young teenager, you realized that something was wrong with your sister. So you were the one to go find her. Yes. And you went all the way from one country to another. And tell us about the journey of finding her. When I went after her to Turkey, unfortunately I didn't find her. And uh, I started to work as a prostitute there. I had to. Till I came back to my country. Mm -hmm. And then I saw my sister. How did you see your sister? She came back that time from Bosnia. She was in Bosnia. So she happened to have gone from Turkey to Bosnia. Yes. And then she came back to Moldova, and that's when you saw her. Yes. But you did not see her when you were in Turkey. No, I didn't. But did you know about her? Did you know where she may have been? Did you meet anybody that may have known her there? Yes. I actually worked for the same pimp she was working. And is, was that a coincidence? Or was that a God incident? From when I left my country, I insisted to work for these people to find oh, but my sister. You knew, so, so you knew it was the same people then? No, I didn't. No. But you just had a sense that these are the people you need to work with. Yes. And it turned out to be How was it discovered that they were the same people? I give my, six, uh, my sister a picture every time close to my bed. So when my pimp came inside, he seen the picture and he asked me, who is this? I told him it's my sister, and he told me that she was working for him. How did you feel at that moment? I felt very happy, but I also felt a little bit upset because I was too late. Okay. Now, you're in your mid-teens. You're not old enough to be an adult. You're too old to be a child. Most teenagers are trying to find their identity. They're trying to find independence. They're trying to be emotionally stable. You had had a childhood of no childhood. You had to act in as an adult even from early years. You were responsible for a little brother who had suffered from some kind of medical problems as well. And your sister, was she as helpful and as available as you were? Or did sometimes you have to find yourself taking care of her as well? Not as I remember. Okay. Well, with the little brother, what was he going through medically? He was born with uh, some heart disease. So were you always thinking that he might, he might die? Yes, we always thought he might die. And that must have been very, very upsetting to you. Yes, it was very upsetting. So you anticipated that mom is never available, she's drunk all the time, or she has a bunch of people around and doing things that she shouldn't be doing, with children around her. Dad is not available because he's out working to provide for the family. And even if he had to be available, he's hours away. 
And here you are, a young woman, not even a teenager yet, trying to control the family's situation to move forward. And you finally become a teenager. You're finally off into the world to find your sister engaged in a profession of prostitution. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair. Today, we're talking with Tanya. behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Get your weekly wake-up call for the oblivious. Tune in every week for Rant and Rave Radio with your hosts, Nathan Jetstream Jet and Mike Hardcore Elmore. Nothing is off our table. In fact, there's more on it than we care to talk about. It's a common-sense perspective on the people and happenings going on around us every single day. Leave it to Mike and Nathan to educate you on politics and society. Tune in to Rant and Rave Radio every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair. Today, Tanya is with us talking about the profession that she was forced into, prostitution. It's defined as a practice of providing sexual services in exchange for money, the oldest profession in the planet. Some even believe that it came right after hunting, gathering, and substantial farming. We find that some places around the world also have legalized this profession, but only a very few. Other places haven't, and there's various reasons why. People go into prostitution for various reasons 
and it's not always for the pleasure of having sex. Sometimes, as our guest, was forced into this profession. A young girl, looking for her sister, a year and a half older than her, was put into another country and just coincidentally had the same pimp. As she moved through life and looking for her own mission in life, to to find a way to maybe look at how she can keep her family intact. She may have actually failed, but yet what will be the winner are those who are going to benefit from her experience when they read her book. Tanya, welcome back. When we look at your history and we look at where you've been, let's look now at your experience as a prostitute. Some people do this for the joy of sex. Some people don't at all. But what would you say from your experience and the people that you've known who've had to engage in this profession would be the likely explanation? Are there more people that do it for the fun of just having a lot of sex with a lot of people? Or is it that there's some psychological reason that people may go into the profession of prostitution? Uh, I would say there is no satisfaction at all or joy and uh, only money. So money is a big processor here, isn't it? A big motivator. Yes. So what about money? What kind of money are you talking about? Big money. How big does money get? If you work for a pimp, you don't get any money, but the pimp gets a lot of the money. So what's the benefit of doing the job if you're not going to get any of the money? Oh, you can work for yourself or you can work on the percentage to share the the money. So it's quite a business. Yes. And in this business, did you ever work in a place where prostitution was legalized? No. No. Which is probably the reason that there was a pimp. Yes. If it was legalized, the pimp would not be needed anymore. You could actually work directly for the government or whatever institution is setting that up. Because sometimes governments have actually set up such locations to lessen or avoid sexual misconduct in the community. Do you believe that if prostitution was legalized, there'd be less sex crimes? No, I don't. So do you believe that sex crimes are going to happen anyway? Yes. Let's talk about people that may go into prostitution just for the fun of sex, like young girls, uh, young guys who don't have any real direction in life. Do those actually exist? Or are those also doing it just for the money? I think everybody who goes into prostitution business, they do it just because of the money. Did you see the movie with Julia Roberts, Pretty Woman? Yes, I did. What do you think about that? Does that really replicate? Does that duplicate? Does that represent the field of prostitution? Not really. So do you think that it's an unfair presentation that gives a wrong image, that it glorifies a profession that does not deserve to be glorified? Yes. Tell us more about that. What is the reality of prostitution? Uh, The reality is it's a very harmful job 
It might not be harmful to your body, but psychologically. How so? Uh, any woman who says they like and they enjoy this kind of job, uh, I'm quite sure they end up uh, at the end of the day alone and they're very, very sad and they're dying inside of the pain because uh, it's not something you like to sleep with everybody, with different men every single day. doesn't matter how many times you say to yourself, oh, I like it or I enjoy it. You'd but there may be more than just one person in a day. It might be several in a day. Yes. Have you worked at a high level of prostitution where there is big money, very important people? Yes, I did. And what was different about that than working with the average street person who comes in just for physical jollies, so to speak? You, you sleep in a better bed. That is the only difference. So they're not coming to you, you're actually going to them. Yes. How high up does this go? How's the high up? You don't have to tell us, of course, personally who these yeah. people are, but how high up do this, does this actually go? Government people? A movie just done is a documentary film called Inside Job, and it talks about Wall Street educators, government people, who actually placed professional centers of prostitution on the payroll as entertainment. And people would pay thousands of dollars for one night with a beautiful woman. Is this very typical, or is this something that's rare? It is something that is rare. Now, when it's something that's rare, is it something that you uh, go to a particular place to find, or can it be found anywhere on the street? You just have to know how to ask for it. I don't know. So how would people find you, for instance, when you were practicing prostitution and wanted a high-cultured prostitute for the night or for the week? Uh, uh, let's start from Turkey. I was working. Uh, my pimp will take me to the hotels, and he will tell me the rooms where I have to go. That is how it was done. What did you remember from your very first experience? The had, very first time. I actually had a very, very bad experience first time. I went with the client, and uh, I've told him I don't want to serve him. I don't want to sleep with him, on which he got very, very upset, and he called my pimp. Obviously, the, the pimp got more angry than the client, and I got punished for it. When you say you got punished, what do you mean? I got beaten, and uh, I was put in the shower, and he was beating me with electrical plugs. How old were you? I was 16. That could cause death, being put in water, a shower, and being tortured with electrical probes. That could cause death. Some of the girls who worked with me, they never made it home. So that was one of the reasons that they died, because of that kind of torture? Yes. Did anyone ever from the law enforcement try to stop those kinds of things? Not in Turkey. Why not? I don't know. We, Were they involved, maybe? Yes, because we addressed many times to the police, but we never got help. So sometimes the police may have been on the payroll. 
they will call they will tell us wait sit and wait we will wait and then our pimp comes and take us back so nothing happened no help when did you feel very unsafe during that whole experience of having to function as a prostitute to survive uh what's the worst moment that you had that you felt the most unsafe uh it was back to romania uh when uh, i was with the football team the entire football team yes how many players are there on the football team there was 28 players and only me and another two girls well thank god you had some help yeah we were 28 players three girls yes and if you divide 3 into 28 you're talking get about about 9 We people. had to serve all of them 28 each the same class. night. Yes. Is that a 1-hour deal each or 15 20 30 minutes each? It's many of them in the room so it's like round. In some circles that's called gangbang. Now did that ever cost you medical problems because that can be very dangerous medically? Yes. Yes. Were any of the girls ever hurt medically as a result? Yes. Yes. Did you ever see girls get hurt as a result of gangbang? Yes. Would they faint? Would they have heart attacks? Would they die? What would the worst case scenario you saw? They will lose their conscience. And with that, how would they be revived? And the clients will get scared, so they will call ambulance or they will call the pimp to fix it. How does a pimp fix something like that? Yeah, he comes, he takes you to your apartment, punishes you a little bit and tells you not to create more problems. Otherwise, he will punish you even more. So a girl that has blacked out, gone into maybe a coma, is going to be punished? Yes. As a way of treatment? Yes. It sounds so inhumane. Yes. Was there ever any pleasant moments? in the profession of prostitution for you. Yes, if you have your own customer who you go out for many years, it's a pleasure because you don't have to sleep with different ones. You just use one. So the profession of prostitution has different levels. Yes. You can either be a street kind of a gang person and may even have to move up a notch and even then they have a gang bang. But then you work with people of high level government positions, academic positions, uh social positions, and it's still very confidential. Nobody knows about it. Your job is secret. You may see these people somewhere, but you'll never admit that you know them. Yes. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist chair. We're talking to Tanya. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World or Android Market. 
Ever wondered what private investigators really do and how they go about solving cases? Each week, P.I.'s Declassified gives a glimpse into this little-known world. Join your host, Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator, in conversations with detectives and experts in the field. False confessions, forensic evidence, finding missing persons, exposing fraud, exonerating the innocent. All areas that Francie and her guests will cover, and have they got stories to tell. Tune in and call in to the live show Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Best. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist chair today with Tanya, and we're talking about the oldest profession, prostitution. Tanya had been forced into this profession by her own parents. The very people that are supposed to provide for you and protect you, the very people that are supposed to nourish you and bond you, were the same people that caused her a dysfunctional family where she was fearful of neglect, abandonment, rejection. She was responsible at a very young age for a sick young brother and a sister who was older than her, but not as responsible or responsive as she. Tanya, you're quite a remarkable lady. And to mark your remarkability, you're going to be writing a book. And this book is going to be about your life with the hopes of changing others' lives when they didn't know that their lives could be changed. Tell us about the book. Tell us about what you're writing. You're just putting the manuscript together now. Yes. And the manuscript is about your life. Will it actually walk us through stage by stage everything from Moldova to Turkey to Italy to wherever you are now? Yes, definitely. And the message that you want to give in the book, what's going to be the mission statement of this book? Well, uh, there is two messages I want to give. 
it's uh, one for the girls uh, like me uh, that it's okay that they can uh, change their life it's uh, to give them more courage and another one it's for the parents who divorce and make the children suffer because they're too busy fighting between them there's no such thing as children are resilient to divorce and dysfunctional backgrounds children are not resilient children are adaptable now you grew up in a home where there was very little adaptability there was certainly no resilience but you had to do your own adaption and how did you learn to adapt to a world to become a productive citizen and at your young age in your late 20s you're going to make a difference not only for yourself but probably for hundreds of thousands of other people who have become acquainted with your story how did you adapt how did you find comfort in life by having many experiences in life it's just you learn how to live of course the depression is there I've been many times down and depressed myself but I just mm-hmm. kept saying to myself that I have to move on keep going so you had to move on and the motivator for moving on during your days of professional prostitution was money but obviously it's not money anymore no you're not prostituting anymore no you have a business you want to carry through with that business so you can have money but your real mission is to make a difference for people what do you see yourself doing to make a difference for people now you're going to write a book do you see yourself putting together a home for people that are trying to escape prostitution i would love to and where would you do that what i am right now and where you are right now brings a lot of people to the forefront what about the educational level of people who are in prostitution is it usually pretty high is it usually pretty low are a lot of people like yourself forced into a situation that they weren't able to finish school or do you find that there's actually more people who are trying to get through school so they are prostituting themselves for money to pay for tuition for books for housing or whatever else uh i i don't think uh, girls from my country have a high education and go prostitute no what about your community that you grew up in in that community that hopefully you'll write about in your book was it common for people to have alcohol problems was it common for people to have extramarital affairs was it common that one person would be out traveling to do work to bring money home while the other person was at home lonely ignoring the children was that your home life was that typical of there of others in that community yes yes so the number of people that lived in your community were how many um i really don't know would you say it was 7000 people 20000 people 100000 people mm, i would say maybe 15000 so you were probably aware of many of the people that lived there it was a small town Yes. And a lot of the kids that you grew up with had similar experiences at home? Yes. How are they surviving today? 
some of them are alcoholics, drugs addict, some of them are dead. <laughs> How would they die? From drugs. Uh, some of them just do, will get killed. How do they get the money to afford those drugs? They don't get the money. They steal. They steal from people. So everybody that steals is going to be using drugs. And if everybody is using drugs, that means there's not going to be much left to steal because everybody's stealing everything. It must be quite a chaotic community. Yes. What was it like being in school there? You, I think you made it through part of your junior high years, your elementary years for sure, part of junior high. Was it scary in junior high? Was it, was it frightening that there was a lot of crime in the school that you grew up in? No, no. The school was fine. Where did you learn to be streetwise, where you could protect yourself physically? If you didn't have so much crime in the schools where you had to learn to protect yourself, where is it that you learned to do that in life? How did you learn to protect yourself? Uh, when I moved uh, to live with my mother, uh, my mother, she will invite always men, so I will get sometimes morally, sometimes physically abused by them. So I just learned how to how to escape, how to always run and make myself alive, keep myself alive. You're going to have an opportunity to meet a lot of young women and maybe a lot of young men who have been forced into prostitution. What's the message that you want to give them to turn their lives around? Do not be afraid. Afraid of what? Of taking next step. What would the next step be? The next step. What would that next step be? Stopping what they're doing now. That might be a lot easier said than done. Yes. Yes. Because if they're doing it for money, they're going to need money for food, water, and shelter. Uh, uh, I don't think they're doing after some time for money because there is two types of prostitutes who are going there by their own choices so they can save the money and buy for them properties, cars and all these kind of things. And there is prostitutes who've been forced. So uh, people who've been forced, they don't do this job for money. They do this job because they don't know better. So you're going to educate people that there are other choices? Yes. Good for you. Now, would you believe that prostitution can be brought to a stop? Or do you believe that it's going to continue forever and you just need to help people learn how to deal with it more effectively and efficiently? I think it never can be stopped. So what are you going to do then? I'm going to try to teach people how to deal with it in a good way. Tanya, thank you so much for being willing to be in the psychologist's chair. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We've had the pleasure of talking to Tanya about the psychology of prostitution. Join us the next time in the psychologist's chair. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.